0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. Hi everyone, and welcome to this, to the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodwork. I'm Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com, and I'll be your host for this program. Joining me today are from Atlanta, Georgia hotland as everybody else calls it the birthplace of modern woodworkers association chris adkinson high rock woodworking welcome chris how you doing today chris <laughs> me in, man. i'm back you're back in duplicate i love it sorry i got so, kicked out for a minute it's okay you're you're back that's all that counts right so how, how's yeah. things
1: uh things are well it's uh it's cooling off outside and uh it makes me want to stay outside it makes me want to stay in the shop and uh, open the doors up beautiful so my time Yeah that year.
0: weather is starting to turn isn't it it is and that's what we're looking forward to although it's still you couldn't tell in florida it's still in the early, in the low 90s um, oh, God. from gorgeous yeah from gorgeous long island new york where it's definitely getting cooler is diami polski of the penultimate woodshop.com what do you say diami how do you do tom it is it is fine. getting cooler and it's fantastic I love full. And, and the reason why it's really fantastic this year is because your insulation is done. Oh, God, no. The insulation isn't done.
2: <laughs> it's about halfway done. It is already warmer in the shop, but... He's obviously. only up to R75. It's only halfway done.
0: Yeah, Deanna, you'll just have to stand on the insulated side of your shop this winter just to make sure you stay warm.
3: The beauty of winter is I can put on another shirt. I can't take off another shirt in summer.
0: Yeah, whatever. Okay. I'm working the nude, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> All right. And fall... Finally, we know it's getting cold. Further up the coast, from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, is Nick Rouleau of mansfieldfinefurniture.com. Nick, how about them
2: socks? I don't know. Uh, tell me. <laughs> I don't, the rings are doing just as well. <laughs> I'm more concerned with the wonderful NFL.
0: You know, one of these days they're actually going to get those breaths back to work, and I heard today they may have that up. They may be coming up with an agreement. I hope they do.
2: Yeah, too late for me. I've lost interest.
0: Yeah, at this point, you know, the the whole season is suspect. So. Yep. Oh, well. What you going to do? Yep, asterisks. Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like a strike here. Think about it. Well, now, but we're all here, just to remember that. It may be replacement players on the, maybe replacement referees on the field, but you still have the original crew
1: of four here. We're not on strike.
0: No, we're not. Okay. We still
2: make bad
1: calls, though.
0: But don't worry. <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> Plenty of bad calls to go around. Okay, here's what we got going on. What about... What about, what about, I don't know, what about, okay, okay. What's up? First of all, let's talk about what's on everybody's bench or in everybody's shop right now. Diami, yours is actually isn't in the shop, is it?
3: No, no, it's in the backyard. I'm, uh, I'm continuing to work on the treehouse. I finally, I finished framing and I, I sheathed the upper section of the roof this past weekend.
0: Now, so Deami, looking looking at the pictures of this treehouse, have you put in the garage and the elevator yet?
3: No, the elevator goes in last. I have to get the envelope done so it's watertight because I don't want my elevator to get wet.
0: Okay, I understand that totally. And and what about that giant espresso bar you're going to build in the back? Is that, <laughs> is that still on? I'm I've actually
3: got a, an ad on Craigslist for a barista, and once I get the barista, then I'll I'll put it in the espresso bar.
0: Obviously, want to consult with the barista first to make sure that you've got all the bases covered. Exactly, going and really make the commitment. Uh, Nick, what is going on up there outside of Boston? I understand there's a big project going on still with the kitchen.
2: Still with the kitchen. Uh, I just finished about 30 minutes ago, um, thicknessing more than 300 rails and styles for my kitchen cabinetry, and I gotta say, I think I bit off a little more than I could chew with this project. Um, not that it won't get done, but it's going to take me a lot longer than I ever expected. Which is pretty much par for the course for me.
0: But 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 par for the course for all kitchen remodels. I gotta tell you, especially if you're building your own cabinets, because. You know, it looks so simple, and actually putting together the box is the easiest part, but getting all that trim work done and all that other stuff, that'll just eat your time up, without a doubt. Yeah,
2: yeah it will, and and part of the problem is that I'm, I'm ridiculously anal about laying out parts, so it took me almost a week just to lay out parts before I even start cutting. Um, you know, so if it continues at this rate, I might be done around 2014 or so.
3: Well, it's good to set a goal for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Can I ask you a question about them, Nick? I saw the picture you posted today. Did you cross-cut them before you milled them, or did you mill them?
2: What order did you do it in? I rough cross-cut to get them to manageable size. That way I can save a little bit of uh, additional thickness as I'm milling. Okay. Um, So so I'll, I'll leave a few extra inches in the rough, mill everything down to thickness, and then mill to final length and width. Okay. Does that cool. makes sense.
3: Yeah, it does. I was thinking I would have run them all through first because um, it's just easier to mill longer pieces, less milling. But that being said, I would have been taking more off, so it makes sense that you were, you know, rough milling, cutting, and then, then remilling because you're keeping much more thickness that way.
2: Yeah, you end up wasting wasting less wood because you you don't have to keep planning and planning and planning to get things flat. But yeah, you're right. A long board is a lot easier to push through the planer than 300 short boards. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost
0: like a Zen question. Which do you prefer? You know, and, it, and really, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Until you've actually built cabinetry, if you haven't done so yet, you know that Craig jig. I'll tell you that pocket screw is your friend. If you ever get to that. Oh point. Oh my god! Yeah, Chris, what's on your bench? What's happening with you?
1: Um, I've got a lot going on. I guess I, uh, <clears throat> um, I we we're moving in my day job as a general contractor. We. Um, we are moving offices soon, so i 've actually already started um, started with our office, so I started doing uh, demolition on the the office that we 're moving into so as part of that's a weird space it is a hundred feet long by twenty three feet wide you 're moving and, into a brownstone I need to, we are moving into a brownstone that 's exactly almost the, the size of it, but we 're trying to keep um, we're trying to keep offices down both sides of it with a central corridor. So because of that, um, we don't have we're, we we can't really put the desk and stuff like normal stuff. So we're basically just going to customize everything. So I am building, I'm actually going to build all of our desk and stuff for it. But they're not going to be super complicated. Just kind of some some basic stuff. But as part of that, I'm also going to build the conference table. Uh, I'm building two conference tables to go in there, and a couple of customized things. But um, so I'm working on the design on all that stuff right now. And for the conference table, I think I talked to you guys about this once before. Um, I want to do kind of reverse live edge and, and do almost like a river thing down the middle. So I'm I'm building a hall table right now. It's uh, just kind of a model for that. So that's. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the shop, that's what I've been working on. So um, it's kind of cool because it's 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 fun to to play with. Because in order to get that center piece to exactly match, you know, basically I've taken a piece of MDF and cut the pattern out, and then I have to take two more pieces of MDF and 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 route out so that I get perfect um, so that I get perfect templates for the inside and outside face of of each part. And then I'll route all of those out. So it's uh, it's kind of cool to play around with that and make sure that everything matches up super tight on a free-handed route down through there. So that, you know, the, uh, the,
0: the, yeah, the key to that is is that preparation. That's uh, it's really going to pay dividends in the final product. gets done.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you don't, I mean, you could sit here and try to do it by hand, but there's no way you'd ever get it to match up. I mean, the only way to get it to match is to get these templates perfect, and then when the p- templates all match perfect then it's, it's just cutting it rough and then just slicing off with the router the, the little bit to clean it up and make it dead on. Cool. I, would, I, t- I would Oh, oh no, I, I'm sorry.
3: Can I, if I could just offer a suggestion, Chris. We, having... You've seen my office. We have all of our furniture in the office custom-made. None of it too... Very fancy, but all right. very... I highly recommend using pre-finished plywood. And Shannon would probably poo-poo it, but God, is it fast if you're just building office furniture.
1: Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, and that's and that's what I'm trying to go for is, you know, I'm going to spend some time. The conference table, there's a conference table, and then there's a another table that we're going to put in a, in a waiting room area, and I'm going to put it on caster, so if basically the waiting room can act as a secret, second conference room if we need to, so I'll put it on caster so we can pull it out. Those two pieces will be seen, and they'll be, you know, I really need to, to spend a lot of time on those. I'm not spending a lot of time in the office stuff, so, you know, I'm going to do something where I can throw it together fairly quick. But, um, yeah, uh, no, I've, I've been to your, your office there, and you're right. That's exactly kind of what I'm thinking.
0: Cool. Now, look, i tell you what's on my bench right now, but it's actually going to lead into today's topic. So I'm going to hold off for a little bit and talk more about it later. But let's talk about some of the things that are going on out there on the blogosphere and out there on the web. Um, we've got a couple of big events coming up, don't we? And um, we're actually looking for uh, some help with the with the uh, Woodworking in America conference out west. So uh, anybody want anybody want to talk about this and maybe be traveling out to the west?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we are going to be at uh, at, at Woodworking in America, and uh, of course we're going to actually be at both of them um, on the the west one in in Pasadena. Uh, coming up here, uh, really, it's a few weeks now in October. Um, we are. We're going to. We've got a booth, and we've actually had a booth at both events for quite a while now. But uh... one of the things we've kind of went back and forth with, and been talking to, is they're not doing the Hand Tool Olympics out in Pasadena because the guy uh, that normally does that, uh, they are Mike not going so. to travel out there. It, it's. But I, I've been talking to Pop Woodworking, and I've actually been talking to to Mike back and forth, and uh, we've had a lot of conversations on it, and so. We are going to attempt to uh, to, ha- to, to kind of work on the hand tool uh, Olympics, and uh, looks like right now we're going to be doing uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, I think that we're going to actually hold events from eleven a.m. till three p.m. on those two days. Um, we'll probably <laughs> hold hold four events uh, on Friday. It looks like we're going to do uh, we're going to do ripping and edge planing, and then on Saturday we're going to do cross cut. And try our hand at some dovetails. Um with my router I'm perfect. <laughs> with the router. It's it should be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. What what we're you know, one of the things I'll just throw out there, we're we're looking for all the help we can get. You know, we've got we've got a few guys right now that have dedicated to, to be there most of the time. Um, by limiting those hours and stuff, I think it's gonna help us out because we should be able to get um, more people, uh, but the more help we can get, the the, the better I think it's going to turn out. So if anybody's listening and wants to uh, to volunteer uh, a little bit of your time, uh, you can shoot shoot me an email at highrockwoodworking at gmail.com or um, any other way you can get a hold of me and ju- just let me know.
3: And even if you don't want to volunteer, if you're going to be there and you're listening to this, please do volunteer because it's a, it's a lot of work and uh... – The Hand Tool Olympics are a great event, and we really appreciate the help to try to put on a great event
0: in Pasadena. You know, I mean, the big deal about the Hand Tool Olympics is how many people come by um, to to try their hand at it. It's not just the woodworkers. It's the spouses and the kids of the woodworkers that come in that really make a difference. Um, You see little 8-year-old, 10-year-old kids out there trying to rip and cross-cut. I mean, if we've got a future in this craft, it's going to be those kids who have good experiences, Um, and are exposed to it at an early age and really remember that as, as something valuable. That's how we're going to keep growing this craft. So if you can volunteer, anything you can do, you can sit half an hour, an hour at the booth, it's really worth it. You'll get a lot out of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the key. I mean, I, we, we don't have to, to do this and stuff, but everybody loves the event, and it's just I'm really looking forward to it because I just think it's going to be a lot of fun getting out there and, and, and seeing all these different people and different skill sets, and uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot.
2: I think what Tom said is, is key. Um, you know, part, A big part of what this organization is about is education and helping to educate and spread the love of woodworking, especially to the younger crowds, the future of, of the craft. Everything we do here is, is all volunteer, and the entire organization is really made up of, of all volunteers. So uh, anything you can do, if you can spare a few minutes, a few hours, whatever, to assist in making it happen, um, without you guys we're not really going to be able to put stuff like this on um so any 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 ounce of time you can spend we appreciate
0: And I guarantee you'll be like, okay, I can only do 10 minutes or half an hour. Next thing you know, you look at your watch, it'll be two hours later, and you're having a blast the entire time. And that's the best part about it. You time flies when you're at the Antle Olympic booth, and um, the people you meet are just incredible. And, you know, like I said, from the the really old gentlemen and ladies all the way down to the little kids, I mean, everybody has a fun time with it. So definitely want to see you out there if you can make it.
2: We should mention, for anybody who hasn't registered yet, it's two weeks away what are you waiting for uh, although you know if you're going to the midwest you, you've got a few more weeks in that uh... if you haven't registered yet head over to woodworkinginamerica.com, dot com um, choose what event you you want to attend um, if you would like to help out the modern woodworkers association um, we have an associates code that you can use um, Diomi, do you remember what that code is absolutely
3: uh... woodworking america is going to reference it as an affiliate code when you're on their site and the the code is modernww. So if you use that code, it won't cost you a penny more to register, um, but it helps fund all the expenses that we're going to have in being at the shows. So um, we'd really appreciate you using the modernww affiliate code when you're registering for uh, Woodworking America for either event.
0: Okay. Now there's something else that was out there on the uh, web, um, and, and it has to do with um, who, who is it? Todd Butler. Um, anybody want to fill us in on this?
2: Uh, yeah, so that's this is this is one of our notable um, uh, things that piqued our interest out there on the web. I guess um, Todd Butler recently announced uh, on his blog uh, that he was taking a leave of absence from his personal life to to enroll in the twelve week intensive at the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship in Maine, uh, which is just a an incredible place if you ever get the chance to go. Um, in preparation, he's cleaning out some of his tools and doing an awesome giveaway. He's doing an entire set of really nice tools, especially for a beginning woodworker. It's a set of...
0: I'm in suspense. What happened?
2: <laughs> it's, a surprise,
0: it's a set of something.
2: Stay tuned. We're trying to bring
0: Nick back. He's out, but he's back in, I think.
2: I'm back in.
3: It's a okay. set of what, Nick? We have to know. We've got to know, Nick. A
2: set of knives. They're Ginsu knives. They cut through anything. <laughs> they cut through steel. Uh, a real set, set nice set of tools for start, starting out in, in the craft. Um, it's, it's really everything you could possibly need, and I'm very tempted to sign up myself. It's everything that I already have, so I'm going to leave it for somebody who really needs it. Um, but definitely go check out his, um, his, his blog at thebutlerdiditwoodworks.com. Um, and sign up for that if you haven't already.
0: Cool. Cool. Definitely go and visit that. There's, a, you know, definitely a, a, Um, There was this other thing that happened this past week. Somebody hit 1,000 posts in our blog, but that's not important right now. Who's that? Up, that. I don't know. Somebody we know. Something Matt like... hadn't hit 1,000 posts yet. He must have. No, no. He's not. He's actually not even close. He can't be. <laughs> <laughs> we go back and delete them, so he's not. Of course. We have our code. Um, <laughs> Now just you know to to go from from light to something a little bit more serious um uh, Neil lamons of Furnitology uh, uh passed away this past week as well it was It was tragic news in the woodworking community. I uh, just had uh, just a really strong advocate of woodworking um Anybody want to just uh, talk a little bit about Neil for a moment well
3: Neil, I think some of us are not are going to know who Neil is and some not, and to those of us who do, people are going to have strong opinions of him. Neil was fairly strong opinion himself, but that being said. He was always pushing to advance furniture design, and sometimes he was a critic of design, sometimes he was a fan of design. But at the core of it, he was trying to advance furniture making, and for that, I think we all owe him a bit of gratitude. And just pursue, pushing forward the craft that we're all interested in. Um, he was also one of the key players in creating the Wood Expo, which is a great event now called Help Me Out Here, the Furniture the Furniture Project. Project Furniture Project up in Boston, where furniture makers can showcase their work. Um, so, uh. Neil unfortunately passed away this past September nineteenth. Um, he was a, a native of Long Island as I am, so I was able to a- attend the memorial service and you know, he was it was a lot more to Neil than just woodworking, but he put the same passion that he put into woodworking into everything he did. So I think we all just owe Neil a little bit of debt of gratitude for what he did to to push the craft forward and uh and take a moment to remember Neil and say thanks.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, he just—if you get a chance—furnitureology.com was the site that he ran, and uh, definitely a lot of uh, insightful posts, um, a lot of deep discussion about design and the and the um, and, and, and the process that goes behind it. Um, Nick, what what was your what was your takeaway from his site? What 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 do you think he offered to the woodworker?
2: Uh, I think beyond his site, he he leaves a legacy of um, really striving to to bring quality furniture making back. Uh, especially among the young craftspeople, um, you know, in this country, uh, really driving all of us to do remarkable work. I never had the opportunity to meet him in person. I spoke to him um, over the past year and a half or so uh, online, and uh, I can say that he he really motivated me to do uh, a lot of things that I would never have had the courage to do uh, without that sort of encouragement
0: without a doubt yeah chris what, what what do you what do you take away
1: from that from meals uh, online presence well i mean I, I think think he was just a strong strong online presence there i mean there was a, a he's one of those guys that kind of got out there first thing and was was really um, you know was out there putting a lot of stuff out and um, i think that's important i think it's kind of you know a lot of us have kind of followed into that and um you know some of us haven't been on on, on a thousand post yet <laughs> uh, but but you know it's it's um i, I think it's it's good to, that we so it's, it's, it's a it's a big shame that that you have somebody like that when somebody passes away and it's it's um especially and very important and very, young. And he, very young and very young you're yeah you're right he was very young i mean that was that was one of the things i think that struck me right off the bat was just you know when i when I'd found out you know, I, I was the first thought in my mind. I'm like, the guy's not that old, and so kind of went back and, and took a look. And yeah, I mean, it was just very sad, as young as he was, and talented guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about somebody like a James Krenov or or a um,
0: uh, Sam Lofe, very right. long lives, very storied lives, and just somebody was
2: on, you know, 58 is very young. Uh, you know, right, I, absolutely,
0: you know, and, and definitely, you know, some, definitely a loss for the woodworking community without a doubt.
2: I want to share a couple of things that are coming through uh, online. Um, In in regards to this, one was from uh, Rob Boas, who who, uh, I think most of us know. And um, Rob says uh, that Neil knew more about furniture design, period, through today than anyone he'd ever met. Uh, Dave Barden says that his interviews were very in-depth and he will be missed. Uh, uh, And Stephen Duffy adds that, uh, he was an excellent resource for design history and the passion for the craft was obvious in everything he presented on his site. Uh, and I couldn't agree with more more with any of those. Yeah. So. And uh, Woodcraft actually did a really nice
3: uh, obituary for Neil. And if anyone hasn't checked it out, it's on the Woodcraft blog, which is blog.woodcraft.com. Uh, and it happens to be slash 2012 slash 09 slash honoring Neil Layman's. But if you just go to blog.woodcraft.com, I'm sure you'll find it. And uh, it was just a... Fairly concise, detailed a lot of it, had links to some uh, YouTube clips that he'd done and interviews he'd, do- he'd done surrounding Wood Expo and a little bit of information about his own personal life. And It was, it was a very well done uh, obituary. It was, it was a bit touching.
0: Definitely yeah, somebody will be missed. Now, yeah. going from that to t- today's big topic, um, today we're going to be talking about shop setup. Um, now, when we talk about shop setup, a lot of people think, well, gosh, either you're just starting out and you need to set up your shop, or I've already set up my shop and I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, but there's a lot more that goes into shop setup than just, you know, buying a few tools and them around some open area. So let's, uh, you know, let's go into a little bit of discussion about this because I think it's it's one of those topics that, you know, it evolves as, you, as your shop continues to grow and as you continue to woodwork. And we're going to start off with, you know, how big is your shop? And, you know, this is kind of one of those, one of those questions that everybody kind of asks, and you'd, you'd be surprised. People with you know maybe a thousand square feet, you know, uh, say complain how inefficient it is, and somebody with one hundred and twenty square feet knows where everything is and turns out beautiful furniture. So, let's go down a list, Chris. How big is your shop, and where is it located?
1: Um, it Well, well, first I am going to start off before I even get into that. I am going to. I've I've said this before, um, you know, when I grew up, up up in North Carolina, and the shop that that we have up there at my dad's place. Is fifty by a hundred, so I mean, you're talking five thousand square foot shop. <laughs> um wow. And to be honest, it, I hope my dad doesn't listen to this. It is it sure so is. hard to work in there because it's it's so big and so much stuff gets drug in there and drug around. It's so difficult. So, flashing forward, when when I came um, when when I came to Georgia and stuff here, and we we bought our house and. Uh, we we had a two car garage um i decided to set up a shop in half of our garage that's that's what i worked that's what i worked out of. for probably about a year i did that and at some point in time uh, one, one night i looked at my wife and i said you got to give up your half you can have the entire house but i'm taking the garage and and she said fine okay so i've got a two car garage and um uh, y- you know what i love it i mean it's it's um I don't really need a bigger shop. I mean, it's a perfect size for me. So, and r- roughly, um, how many square feet? Four, or five hundred, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, um, I think it's just under five hundred. I think the, you know, at one point in time, I think I measured it. It was, it was, you know, 480, 490, something like that. Just a little less than five hundred. So, right, but no, it's perfect for me.
0: Okay, now the Omni. Where? How big is your shop, and where is it located?
3: Well. It- before I do that for one second, I want to touch on, you talked about how the shop always is evolving, and uh, I, I, I agree with that, and that's kind of how I came up with the penultimate wood shop, because I do realize that I will never finish my shop. I will always be in the penultimate shop. Uh, but anyway, that being said, my shop is in my one-car garage, and as it is probably the smallest shop here, I know that it is exactly 198 square feet.
0: Not that you've measured or anything. No,
3: no, I haven't measured, and I don't know that I'm giving up three inches of depth by insulating it properly. Uh, I wouldn't know that because you know, that's only a couple square feet when you cut down to it.
0: But it's going to make it a little more warmer in the
1: winter.
3: Oh, it's going to be a kick-ass shop.
0: It's just going to be a tiny little kick-ass shop. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's, it's, just, it's just how you use the space. That's Nick, exactly it. Where exactly is your shop? You keep broadcasting from it. Where exactly are you located in your home, and how big is the shop?
2: My shop is in the basement, directly under the family room. Got insulation right here over my head, as you can see. If you're watching, I would estimate around five or six hundred square feet. Although it's kind of cut up a little bit, so it's it's oddly laid out. Five or six hundred square feet, and um, I used to work out of probably a two hundred square foot area, and I did some of my better work in that sh- in that space. Um, and it's not until you get to a big shop and you try to have like the the nice flowing layout that you say, "Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work." I've probably redone the the layout of this shop um, four times in the last six months, just because I'm just not happy with the, you know tripping over something or you know I keep bumping into that stupid table saw in the middle of the floor. How 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 long have you been in the shop? Uh, we built the addition to to the house in 2007, so I probably moved this, into the shop in in 08.
0: Okay, so it's only just recently.
2: Yeah. Well, four years is recent, yeah. Four years, and four years of building the shop and, and so forth. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, until this cabinet project, it was plenty of space. Now I'm tripping over There's myself all never over the
0: place. Never. Hold on. Are we still here? Everybody hear yeah, you're, me? You're back, yeah. Tom. Okay, good. Okay. You're all here. right. I kind of disappeared, but I'm back now. Um, my space here in Florida, I'm in a two, typical Florida two-car garage. Um, again it's no longer the garage it's the shop we refer to it as that um, there there's a fine if you refer to it as the garage um, it shares space with the laundry room uh... which is over in that direction um... but it comes out to about just a little bit over four hundred square feet um, i moved in and took over as 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 you said, chris um, slowly but surely it, it, i think at one time we actually did park a few cars in here but uh... Um, it's been years since then, and, um, and you know, it, at least we don't have to get through the snow and ice to get to our cars. That's one good thing about being in Florida. You know, the, the space, again, is, is, is constantly evolving, and I think since this past March when I built this miter bench, which fills this wall off this direction, for those who are looking.
2: He's pointing um, east, for those of you who are just listening.
0: Actually, I'm pointing <laughs> north. That's oh. north, okay. That's south. In I Midwest. had a 25% Wait. chance. Are you pointing towards the house? I'm pointing, the garage entrance to the house is Is that way. way. All right, I have no idea. This is the north wall. That's the south wall. That's the big garage door that leads out. But what happened was once I built this this miter bench, because I wanted to get the miter saw out and be able to break boards down into smaller pieces using the miter saw, everything has been evolving. I've been pulling things out, moving things around. On my blog this week I posted, um, I pulled out a little side cabinet that went over in this area. Uh, from a friend's kitchen remodel, and um, there was nothing in it that was worthwhile. It was just crap I put there that I guess I was waiting to mature so I could throw it out when it was right. Um, <laughs> so I took that piece out, but I've got this big space now. There's a couple things going in. One is the drill press I wrote about uh... today. I put yeah. it in a drill press I bought in 2003. I think it may be used six times. And people say you need a drill press. I'm like, I've got one, but it sits over here, you know, written <laughs> under things. Um, and also I'm getting a router table and putting it in there as well. So there'll be a router set up as well. I can move out uh, dust collection the whole nine yards. And the idea is that, you know, I can now break things out a little bit more in the shop and get a little better flow in the shop, which I'm looking forward to because, you know, working I only used about two hundred square feet of a four hundred square foot area. The other part was just crap. That was up against the wall and stuff like that. Now it's now using the shop a little more intelligently I'm able to put a lot more utility into it, which is really ultimately what we're all looking for, right?
3: Absolutely. Getting crap out is such a liberating experience, no matter how big the shop is. About about, about two years ago, I took everything that wasn't a regularly used woodworking tool and moved it up into my attic. You know, If it's a home improvement tool, it's up in the attic. If it's a work tool, it's up in the attic. Even my drill press is up in the attic because I don't have room for it in the shop right now. Uh, I have the same drill press as you, actually. Um, <laughs> So getting all that crap out of the space, it's, it's fantastic.
0: I know exactly what you mean. And it was a liberating experience. I mean, there were things. And you know, this, is the, you know, this is the thing. You know, we, regardless of how much I, I invested into getting my shop kind of laid out, there were still things that it's like I didn't need anymore or I never needed to begin with. And, you know, getting, you know, rather than just you know, trying to list it on Craigslist, what I did was last night I brought a couple things down to the Woodworkers Guild meeting. And um, I, I gave them to people who were starting out it was a set of chisels there was a dust collector that had just been sitting around a little air purifier somebody had given me rather than try to list it on craigslist and make a few bucks i figured you know why not spread the karma maybe get a few more people involved in woodworking or get them encouraged to get going so for me it wasn't only just cleaning out my shop and making it more functional; it was also helping other people
2: yeah that's a good plan in fact uh, um, chris wong um, from flair woodworks did a a giveaway uh, I think it must have been about this time last year that prompted me to do the same sort of thing of you know a bunch of stuff that I didn't use anymore. In fact, the first time I met Diami I handed him off a a, a grinder that it's that in he, my attic that he's going to give away to a, a lucky MWA viewer apparently because he's Pass not using it. Has love Has the... to
0: right.
2: love along. Uh, yeah, but you know that that's a, that's an excellent way to get people into into woodworking too is just hook them up, give them give them something you're not using anymore. I've got forty sets of chisels. I might as well do that. You know. <laughs> No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, a
3: friend of mine just bought a house, and he's kind of flirting with woodworking. So, you know, it was more a home improvement tool than a woodworking tool. But I gave him a set of cordless drills that I didn't use anymore. And luckily, I've been advising him on actually buying a router and, and real woodworking tools. So, you know, certainly spread the love, and if you're not using it, give it to somebody else who can. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, as far as laying your shot out, shop out wisely. If you could just give like maybe one or two key points what would it be uh to the new woodworker somebody's looking at their shop now trying to figure out well, how can I improve the layout what what um uh, what would that advice be nick what do, what do you think that would be
2: i'm going to go contrary to popular uh belief is is put the table saw on wheels and push it off into the corner because i've i've torn so many pants. holes in my skin and pants yes pants too Walking around the table saw, banging into it, just trying to move around the shop. I haven't used it a single time yet in in this cabinet build, and it's mostly just in the way.
0: All right, so <laughs> moving that, moving some of those big pieces of equipment around is a, uh, okay. You clear the space, dami What what do you, what do you think as far as like just a couple of words of advice of intelligent layout in a, in, well, a, in a shop?
3: The two things that come to mind now, because my shop is in the middle of a build that I started in November, and it's just a bloody mess. But November of
2: twenty. Two thousand and seven, I think it was two thousand and six well, i wasn 't actually in the shop
3: until that November of two thousand and seven so but electric spend the time to run electric where it 's convenient um, right now i 'm working out of a shop with one outlet, and it 's not workable uh, and that 's because I, cu- I pulled everything out to rerun it i 'm going to have about i 'm probably going to have about thirty five outlets in the one car garage when i 'm done so i 've solved the problem once i 've finished wiring it up, but right, it put outlets where you want, and you can never have too many outlets. The other thing I would say is figure out where your workstations are relative, your bench, your table saw, and have, as best you can, the associated tools within reach that you can get with one hand. Hmm. I specifically designed my plane cabinet so I could open the door and then pull a plane out with one hand. I was going back and forth in lots of different designs, and I vetoed any of them that had like the little leather strap that ca- caught the front knob to let it hang, <laughs> because you need two hands to pull that out. I'm a big advocate of you should be able to have one hand on whatever workpiece you're doing and get things out of from where they belong to your workpiece with the other hand. So stupid little things like the types of toolboxes I buy, I always go for if I can do it with one hand, it's better.
2: Along the lines right. of the electrical, um, James uh, online adds that uh, a retractable extension cord reel in the ceiling is nice to have. The only thing I'd... I'd, I'd uh, Say is make sure you have the proper amperage, um, you know, heavy gauge cable if you're going to run big power tools on it.
3: Yeah, I, I actually have one of those retractable cords, and it came out, and I've decided it's not going back in because it's only 14 gauge. So if you can get one that's heavy, that'd be that's fantastic. But getting mm-hmm. the retractable ones to a 12 gauge uh, cable is sometimes difficult.
0: Yeah, or expensive, and that's the other thing. It could be easily 120, 130 dollars for a cable of uh, the 12 gauge heavy duty mm-hmm. one. So and again, you know, maybe even having a, well, a ceiling outlet, but an extension cord you can hang up on some sort of hook or something that hangs down, suspended. You could pull it down and put it back. Another idea, Chris. What about you? Shop intelligent design. What do you, what do you think?
1: Well, um, I, I I would first of all I would go back to the and say I hundred percent agree with the outlets. Unfortunately, my shop is not quite that way. Um, maybe we'll get into this stuff a little more, but I have I have added a uh, a couple outlets and I added some uh some breakers uh just to give me a, a little more power and stuff there. But I I I've basically tried to go off of what I've got, you know, I've I've got I think I'm I've got one dual um receptacle and then I've got another single couple. What I've tried to do and I, I try to do this in my shop is is I kinda of go around my bench I mean because I'm always putting stuff on the bench whether whether I'm actually assembling something on the bench or whether I'm laying parts out on the bench I always have stuff laying on the bench so everything that I do tends to 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 start with my bench And this cliche as that sounds nowadays when everybody talks about benches all the time uh... my bench is kind of in the center and everything else is just kind of around it so so I've kinda of got everything set up to where all my tools are kind of in a semicircle around my bench, and, and uh, there are a few things that, that I have found that casters are a must for. Uh, my bandsaw on casters, um, drill press on casters. Um, things like that that, that that aren't that big, but they tend to take up space because you need the space around them when you're working, but there's no point in having them sitting in the middle of the floor all the time. I try to put those on casters so I can throw them against the wall. Um, unless you have, 5,
0: unless <laughs> you have five
1: thousand square feet, unless you have five thousand square feet, and it doesn't really matter.
2: The um, planer, is one of those big items. I th- I, I find myself planar, throw, right. throwing it on the on the on the uh, table saw whenever I need to yeah. run a lot of stuff through it. The rest of the time, it's tucked away somewhere. Um, yeah, a couple of tips from online. Rob Rob says that uh, to consider the the distance of all your power tools from your dust collector. Dave also agrees with Chris about putting the bench in the middle of the shop, and um, Dave also suggests French cleats. What about wall storage? What do you guys do for wall storage? Um, I use, actually, French cleat for my
3: wall storage, and I, what I, I only have two cabinets in the wall so far, but what I've done is I'm designing all my ca- – I, I built the first one somewhat arbitrarily, but I decided that's the size I'm keeping. And I, I force the issue with my plain cabinet to make it the exact same size as my existing pull-out cabinet so that it they sit on the wall evenly next to each other. And as I add more cabinets, they're all going to be that same size. So at the end of the day, I get this, this final even wall of cabinets. I'm not letting the usage dictate it. I'm um, Well, I may ultimately, but I'm trying to force what I need to do into it. And I don't know how far into planning we're getting getting, but my intention is to build cabinets to hold my sanders, my routers, my fasteners are the next three cabinets I'll make, and then from there I'm not sure, but ultimately I plan to ring the entire shop with wall-mounted cabinets up somewhere in the level of like a a wall-mounted kitchen cabinet where my benches and power tools and stuff are underneath them.
0: You know, Deami, that's a really interesting point. You know, I, I think that really needs to be reiterated. When you talk about your shop, a lot of things happen in the middle. Um, you know you stand at your bench or you're working at your table saw or whatever at the middle but the wall space in your shop is really the critical space that you have to organize because if you can have like I found with my miter bench you can have that long uninterrupted flow where you can put something up on it you can chop it down to size and really break it down have storage above and below but making sure that that work surface along the outside is there I mean I think that adds a lot more utility to what you're doing rather than just saying okay I'm going to store some things uh, you know and then just you know, like make big walls of cabinets actually have some of that utility right there along the outside where you can put the longer pieces break them down and then come into the middle of the shop later
3: absolutely and I, well, later I want to revisit the Mitre Store Bench because I want to talk about my ultimate design for that but what, Nick what do you do with the wall space?
2: Uh, my wall space—I uh, have—I'm surrounded by concrete on all sides. Uh, I took one wall of it, and th- this wall behind me, if you can, if you're watching the video, and put on some some uh, strapping and and some plywood, so I could do some French cleats along the side. Um, I use some of it for clamp storage. It, really, it's it's open space just to hang pretty much everything. I've got my my sawtail over there. Uh, my plane rack is 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 sitting on the bench top. Eventually, that'll get wall mounted as well. Um, I've got chisels, layout tools, all sorts of stuff hanging there. Um, a lot of it's custom. By the tool or type of tool, I'll build something for uh, for hanging it. Um, not it's not all modular, French cleated um, by any means at this point anyway. Uh, the other walls, the concrete walls, I've got lumber storage on most of them. Yes, all of them. Lumber storage on every other wall. That's important. They got a lot absolutely
0: of a well well equipped shop with lots of wood. You can keep working. You keep building projects. It's it's good to do. Um, what happens when you add a new tool to the shop? Let's let's talk about that for a moment. We you know we, we talk about what we've got, and suddenly you know a deal comes along on a bandsaw, or a deal comes along on a lathe, or something like that. You know what what happens? What what's your thought process when you when you add something into the shop? I, you know, be it stationary or even hand tool. Well, What's your thought process?
3: Anyone want to jump in? Um, if it's something I have existing, then I would certainly remove the old one and put it in because mm-hmm. I don't have enough space for two of anything. Um, some things, like when I was in my current shop for a year and a half before I took my planer out of my dad's shop and brought it home, and that I did when I had space for it I built a table for it and it's on this little rolling stand. But on the other hand, I have a... I don't know what it is, I think it's a 1632 drum sander, mm-hmm. and I've had it for a year and a half and it's still in the box because I haven't had the space to just set it up. So I'm of two minds with that. I bought the sander because I got a fantastic deal on it, and I don't regret having bought it because I've never seen it cheaper, but I haven't yet forced the issue and set up the space to, to set it up yet. So it's, a, it's an issue to fit in new tools.
0: Definitely. Chris, what, what about you? What you what, been your experience?
1: Um. Well, I think I said before I kick kick the wife out of her side of the garage. (laughs) Um. No. Seriously. I mean, you know, Nick Nick said earlier about how many times he'd redid his shop, and Deami talked about the personal intimate You know, workshop. Um. I think I'm the same way. I mean, I constantly am, am coming up with ways to try to make my shop more efficient. Anyway, um, I've got some ideas right now where I need to. We were talking about you know wall space. I've, I'm really trying to utilize my wall space a lot more and and put more cabinets around the walls that i don't I, I tend to stack my lumber up high. I have shelves that you know heavy duty shelves that are up high against the ceiling that I keep most of my lumber on. so I mean when I get something else in the shop and I'm, I'm really hoping it's not going to be anything big for a long time <laughs> because uh, i can I can deal with some small stuff but
0: uh, and then that deal comes along and that perfect big yeah. stationary power tool, and you're all over it.
1: Right now, I have this idea of, of you know of things just keep moving around a little bit, you know, in between projects and stuff like that, and and uh, I've got this idea of where I want to head to. So, I'm terrified. Honey, I'm I don't know where that the big,
0: honey, I don't know where the big 18 inch bandsaw came from. I, I don't know. It just it was on. always
3: there. I'm, I'm terrified that, that I'm going
1: to. Uh, it's going to mess up my plan if that deal does come along. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm hoping that my my pla- my good deals come in in, uh, in hand tools, so that I don't have to worry about that. But I'll tell you, even
3: hand tools. Well, not hand tools, but portable power tools are an issue. I've got, you know, anyone who's seen pictures of my shop, I've got this little wall of my Festool boxes, yeah. and on the floor in front of them, I've got my Domino XL and a bunch of sanders standing on top of that because I don't have rack space for just those little hand power tools. Deami, yeah, it sounds like you need a workshop. I need to finish insulating and take over the other half of the workshop because I'm I'm in that small space and I'm only utilizing about half of it because I never finished the construction I started last winter.
2: So let me ask you guys this. Has anyone, has anyone used one of those uh, workshop planning softwares? Uh, I think Grizzly has a free mm-hmm. a freeware version of it. Have you ever have you ever thought ahead and said mmm, one day I'm going to have a spindle sander? Where would it fit in the shop? And and really laid out your shop that way? Sort
0: of. You know, I got to tell you, Nick. I, you know, until I can actually see it in the space, you know, the the the, the cuter drawings for me, I, I just I can't get my mind wrapped around them. I just can't. It's uh, you know, it, it looks nice in pictures and it's really great, but it's you know, how tall is it? How wide is it? And you you can look at that footprint, but still, I mean, it's like. Okay, you try to squeeze things together, and it's like, well, that doesn't work because there's this knob or this, this rail that sticks off the side, and it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe that won't work there. So for me, I, it's a lot of. Fortunately, I put a lot of things on mobile basis, so I can get them around. It's a little yep. easier to, you know, than dragging things. Um, but you know, it's a lot easier than dragging things. But for me, it, it's been a lot of okay. Well, let me see, and I'll get the tape measure, and I'll look on the. you will know, see okay, well, where can I put it in? So you know, for me, they didn't really do a lot for me, but again, maybe I'm just not used to using them as much as others.
3: No, I'll agree with that. I've when I I'd been in my current house for four, just over four years, and when we first moved in, I spent a little bit of time on Grizzlies, and then I just used a graph pad, and I cut out pieces to scale, and I pushed that around for a couple months, and it wasn't until I was in the space actually moving tools around that I really wrapped my head around what I want to do and where I want things to be. And even now, i I could tell you where I want some of my big tools to be, but I 've still got these like just fuzzy areas in my head where i 'm not sure what i'm going to do permanently in that spot or the other spot or like the drum sander. I still don't know where it's going to go um, so I, what I find is I need to be in the space to really figure out what's going to happen and I'm confident that once i the part that I have designed in my head, once I actually get that completed, then the rest will kind of present itself to me. I need to get through phase one to get to phase two. But I'm finding that even with furniture, is that playing with the real size pieces. I've been doing a lot of full scale drawings. I'm finding much easier than than tiny little models. And yeah, you, Chris. there's a lot.
0: There's a lot to be said about having the actual item there.
2: Yeah, yeah. What uh, about you, Chris? Chris, he's he's being serious. I'll, I'll I'll step in and say when I when I had a, a totally empty shop before I was able to move in at all. I I did go in and lay out a few different versions of a shop. And he went so far as to model, a, you know, four by eight sheet of plywood and how would I move it over a table saw? Is there enough room behind the table saw and behind, you know, in front of the table saw to, you know, and, and, and really try to, to figure out how the space would work moving that sort of stuff around. Um, but that was just a jumping off point in the end. Some of the stuff ended up, you know, pretty much where, where the plan said it would, but not, not everything.
0: Now, look, I see we're starting to get a little long in the podcast here, so I'm, I'm going to come to one last topic, and I think this is one that people tend to overlook. How about access to the shop? Now, Chris and I have garage shops. and Dionne, you've got a garage shop too, don't you? I do. I can tell you a okay.
1: story about access, though.
0: Well, I'm sure anybody with a basement <laughs> shop can tell you about Dionne's access.
1: access is better than our access. Huh?
0: But you, I've, got, I've got a big I' got There's
3: a, big there's a reason.
1: I have. Okay. Do, do tell. Why is my access so good? The uh, <laughs> trick. Okay, the the reason I'm saying I've been to Diami's shop and Diamond's shop to get in his shop you go outside. My shop, we come in through the shop most of the time. When That's I come to the house, house. That, that is, because we you know, we can unlock the front door, but the fact is we don't. Most of the time we pull in the driveway, push the garage door, the garage door pops open and we walk through the shop into the house. So almost every, I mean, every single day when we come and go out of the house, we all walk through the shop. But that means you have really good access to the shop. Yeah. The, the problem you know, is the access off. to the house, not the shop. But, no, no, no. The problem is, is that means I have to keep the shop clean. Otherwise, there's sawdust in the house all the time. And who's, so, in
0: who's responsible for that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, you, she, she's not real happy if, if Sada starts. So, so I, it, it it makes me keep the shop clean. Let's just say that. So.
0: (laughs) But access, access to shop, you know, bringing in materials, bringing out finished products. Um, you know, anybody with a garage door, I mean, I've got a 16, 17 foot by 8 foot opening over here that I can hit the button and, and it, the door pops open. So for me, no problem. Nick, what about you in the basement? And, and, and I feel for you poor basement
2: woodworkers. Uh, how is access? Not as good as having a garage door that opens up and lets you unload the truck directly into the shop. So usually it means unloading uh, unloading. Lumber into the garage. I have a basement access uh, staircase from the garage, so I can basically uh, drop stuff in front of the door. You know, shut the car up, close the garage doors, and then phase two is bring <clears> everything down to the shop. Most of my, you know, if I'm working with plywood, uh, you know, for this cabinetry project, all, all of the plywood uh, stays up there in its full sheet form. I'll rip it down and and cross cut it, uh, you know, with a with a circular saw before. I start bringing it down to do final cuts. Can, could um, you fit it downstairs if you wanted to? Yes, I could, okay. but it would be a miserable, miserable time. No, I I grew up using my dad's
3: basement shop, and yeah. I I learned to it cut plywood, plywood on a cabinet saw. That's you no know, track saws were for girls when when we were building things. And I we had were, I could I can't count on all my fingers how many times I moved multiple sheets of plywood up and down the stairs. It's just. It's a pain in the ass. So I, I had
2: I had the benefit of being able to design the addition to this house, and I did all of that knowing that I'm going to build this space as a shop, so I was able to to design it so that I could get stuff where it needed to be. But I'm not going to do it unless I absolutely have to. And you know, I can just as well park outside of the garage, and stage my stuff out there if I need to. Um, so I you know my shop space is is in the basement, but I. I'd say semi-frequently take over some of the garage to do to do some work, finishing in particular.
0: Yeah, a bit better ventilation there than, yeah. than in mm-hmm. a basement.
2: Again, that's another
0: beauty about having a garage door. You spray anything or you wipe anything, you just pop that open and turn the fan on, and you're golden. So, again, you know, I mean, for people who have their shops in basements and attics and places like that, we feel for you. Oh, absolutely. But we I, love our garage shops.
3: I sold a uh, a benchtop table saw to a woman who woodworked in her kitchen because she was in the attic apartment of an old colonial. And I delivered the saw to her, so I had to carry this. It was a Bosch 4000, so it was a big benchtop table saw. And it carried it up three flights of stairs in an old Victorian, so I have no idea how she brought materials in and out.
0: And then, you know, bringing that finished product out. You know, I mean, everybody wants to, the story about building your dream boat in the basement <laughs> and you can't get it out. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, look, we, we've got so many other topics we could cover. Shop lighting, uh, dust collection, all Insurating. these other things. Insulation, uh, you know, sound, especially with neighbors nearby, if you're above ground or family can, upstairs.
3: Can I go on to that just for one second, if we could diverge?
0: Do your families have issues with your making sound in the garage? No. Not past a certain hour, not before a certain hour. After a certain hour, there's a problem. Okay, because I,
3: I hear all these people talk about... Using hand tools. I open my garage door, I roll my planer into the driveway, and I plane at 1 a.m. And I've never had a, had a complaint from a neighbor. My shop shares a wall with each of my twins' bedrooms, and they're not terribly well insulated. I've never disturbed the kids. I, I think, pe- I, I don't know, maybe I'm just really lucky in that my family's not easily disturbed, but I have never, ever. Decided on what I'm going to do because it might be loud. I, I work when as I can and I'm going to be yeah. as loud as I can be. Your neighbors
2: I, haven't complained, but your neighbors also don't talk to you anymore. I don't care I, about that.
0: Have, have you ever
1: considered the possibility your neighbors might be deaf? That would be wonderful. I'm to tell sorry, you something. I'm a big believer. I actually, not, tall
3: fences make good
1: neighbors. I'm going to tell you something. I actually get, my, my neighbors never complain, by the way. I've never had an issue with the neighbors. Um, I actually get more complaints from the family, from the wife, because my girls, both their bedrooms are directly over my shop. Um, I actually get more complaints when I use hand tools (laughs) than I do the power tools. As odd as that sounds, when I get out, one night, I've hardly ever had her say anything, but one night I was, um, I had made some some cutting boards and I was planing the tops of these cutting boards down with, with a hand plane. And I mean, I didn't think it was that loud and all of a sudden she comes down and she says, All I hear is just whoosh, whoosh. I, I I don't know why that sound, but for some reason but I've used my table saw, I've used you know, I typically won't fire the planer up at at you know, twelve o'clock at night. But the table saw and stuff like that I've never had any complaints from. But my hand planes I get complaints about. And and chisels, you know, if I'm sitting here pounding on a chisel. Yeah, like I mean, that. so bang, bang, bang. Time
2: to soundproof the hand planes.
3: Yeah, isn't the response uh, yeah. that, well, I'm glad you could hear
1: it because it lulled you to sleep. It's such a beautiful sound. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just the strangest thing. I'm like, really? You don't complain about the handsaw, but I will, I'm I'll, using a hand
0: plane. <laughs> I'll tell you this. One one night I was working, I, I was – I can't remember what the project was. I think it might have been this workbench I was building, and I was using the router. And the next day, my neighbor, a World War II veteran, so he's, you know, in his 80s, came over and goes, I heard you using the router last night. And I'm thinking to myself <laughs> – man, I thought I lived in a masonry house and I had that door closed and all that other business, and I, apparently he heard next door, so I don't know. Either my house is so close that he can hear it, or maybe he's just tuned to that sound, but either way, it's it's hey, it's neighbors and it's family. We learn to live and adjust our work habits accordingly. Again, we're going to have to revisit this because we have a lot of other topics we haven't even touched on. We could be doing this till 2 in the morning,
2: but here, let me propose something. Why don't we do a part two? Part two? Part two. I think a two would be better than a two. Sorry. all
0: right. S- sounds good.
2: Let, let's do it because I mean,
1: th- there's so many things like you said. I mean, once you get the the big stuff, I mean, you know, there's so many things that I've I've done that that are little things that's huge improvements. I mean, we haven't just, talked about your chalkboard. We have not talked about my chalkboard, have we? Or the boom arm.
3: Well, that the, the boom, boom arm. arm.
1: You need not talk about the boomer. The boomer goes without saying. I, I don't know. I guess so. The boomer goes without saying, <laughs> but the chalkboard does not. You know, you, you got to have best, the best tip there, which is not the. <laughs> as, as the shop turns.
2: So <laughs> okay. let me propose this, guy. Anybody who, who uh, wants to hear about something in particular that we haven't talked about already, let us know between now and the next time we talk about this, which we won't even tell you when that will be because we don't know. Uh, let us know, That's and we'll, we'll get it on. We'll get it on the list of things to talk about. And it can be anything. Like I where can do you talk the beer for months. The beer fridge. Actually, that is one of the things I do want to talk about, and we'll talk about it next time. Is what special amenities do you have in your shop that you never thought you would, but now that you have it, you'd never live without?
0: A boomer. Oh, there's just so much. There's so
2: much to talk a about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to put a toilet right in that corner. <laughs> no, no, a urinal.
2: Oh, oh urinal. here we go. <laughs> Urinals are limited. You can only use them 50% of the but time. But they're
0: so manly and rugged. Arr. Okay, enough of the plumbing. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're done. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how people can find us. And that, so I am Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at atomsworkbench, at right there on Twitter. So you can look for me with the image of the monkey. Chris, where can we people where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at highrockwoodworking.com, uh, or you can find me on Twitter at highrockww. And and since uh, since army mentioned it, you can find me this this next month uh, on the methods of work uh, at uh, on fine woodworking. That I, I, my uh, my chalkboards on there. What he's trying to say is the chalkboard <laughs> is in the in the
3: issue of fine woodworking so, <laughs> that is in the mail right now to subscribers.
1: Since army mentioned it.
0: <laughs> people on their chalkboards <laughs> Nick where can we That's find right. you?
2: I'm at mansfieldfinefurniture.com I'm on twitter at mansfinefern you can also find Chris or I at the MWA booth and the hand tool olympic booth at uh, WIA West and uh, Diami and Tom will be at the other one the lesser WIA I think we'll it's either
3: be at the booth or in the hopper House
0: yeah, and I plan on dancing on the table again.
3: Just Damn stories
2: are going to be there
0: yeah.
3: now. Uh, Diami, where can we find you? Well, I can be found on the Twitters at Deami Plotke, D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E, and uh, I tend to blog, try to do it about once a week at penultimatewoodshop.com. Um, and fun. also, before before you close us out, Mr. Shop Monkey, I need to say thanks to Nick Brown who emailed Chris during the bro- broadcast to confirm that he is going to help us out at WIA Pasadena. So let's guilt everybody else into it. Anybody else, if you're going to either WIA, please let us know. We're just looking for a little bit of help. If everybody helps out, everybody only needs to give a little bit of time, and we can properly man the boots and do the hand tool Olympics and have a great event. Yeah, don't be, be- a wimp. Be Step up do. like
1: Nick. Come on. Please do, and thanks a lot, Nick. We really appreciate it. (laughs) We're going
0: to shout out. We're going to sing Nick's praises. Hey, two more
2: more little things. Uh, First of all, I noticed online that beer fridges apparently are very popular in the wood shop, so we're going to have to talk about that next time. Uh, The other thing thing I forgot to add was that we finally have a presence on uh, Facebook. If you are a Facebook guy, unlike all of us, but Tom, you can find us at Modern Woodworkers on Facebook. And Man, Tom, I'll tell you, I'm taking a beating. <laughs> Tom's the Facebook and even have, expert over and I, here.
0: And, and I even have two profiles. You can check out the monkey as well. And if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com for up-to-the-minute happenings in the many, many different chapters and follow us on Twitter at MWA_National. underscore national. And if you want to start a chapter of your own, just click on the Join MWA tab at the top. And remember, membership is free, but the connections you make will be priceless. I'm Resident Shout Monkey Tom Iaving. I wish you a happy Sawdust, we'll see you next time.